Welcome to another episode of Axe the Blood God, an RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. We have quite a packed roster today, don't we? Yes, we do. We have the remainder of the U.S. Gamer staff with us, <laughs> which includes Nadia, Matt, and Eric. Hi, Matt and Eric. Hey. Hey there. It's us. We're here. We're Hooray. alive. <laughs> We're alive. We were intending to have Matt and Eric, or we were intending to have Matt on the show for the uh, Next Gen episode, but it didn't quite work out. But that's okay, because that one was boring. This is way more fun. This week, we're going to be doing an RPG quiz show, which is something I've never tried before, but I'm genuinely excited to give a shot. Me too. I like my, my head is filled with useless trivia. It does nothing but sit there until like I go to a pub and it's time to just expunge it all. Nadia is going to rock this game. Yeah, like my head's filled with useless <laughs> trivia, but none of it is RPG related. It's all like animals and stuff. So yeah, I'm a oh, lose. I have animal trivia. Let's do an animal show. I think that Eric might do better than people think just because uh, he, he knows a fair amount about the Western side. And this is kind of split 50-50 between Japanese and Western questions. So it's going to be fun. We're going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, if you enjoy the show, can you do me a favor? Leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. It helps the show's visibility and it brightens our day. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at CMoosey, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And Matt is at Matthew Olson, all one word, M-A-T-H-E-W. That's one T because he's a weirdo. Sorry, Matt. (laughs) He didn't name himself. That's not very nice. (laughs) (laughs) What? You didn't name yourself? I thought we all named ourselves. No, no, I just got stuck with this one. I came out of the womb. I crawled out of the womb and like going, Nadia. Yeah, I grabbed and, the and doctor was... by the collar and was like, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor did not argue. From one person with a non-traditional spelling to another, I feel you, Matt. Don't worry. Thanks. It's appreciated. We also have a RPG newsletter that goes out every single Wednesday. Maybe we'll keep it going after we're done with US Gamer. Nadia, what was the topic of the newsletter this week? Well, as of this recording, it's uh, the day before the Thanksgiving weekend. And so I kind of asked, uh, what RPG bird would you eat? <laughs> and, and one of the reasons I did this is because in Final Fantasy fourteen there is a region where the natives uh, raise and hunt and chocobos. And fried chocobo, deep fried chocobo, comes into their quests a lot. And a lot of the, the item descriptions for this deep fried chocobo is like, come on, you know you want to, and, and all this other like, all this other text just tempting you. So uh, the answer is yes, I would eat a chocobo. Um, anyway, prepared in any way, in any manner. I'm sure it just tastes like chicken. Uh, I'd probably also try several Pokemon birds. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I, I could think of some good, some good eating. Yeah, like you should a try a ho ho. It'd be magically delicious. Oh my god, you'd burn your mouth. <laughs> Can you imagine killing and eating a god? <laughs> I mean, it would be really spicy. It would. You know? be. Uh, my my ulcers don't like that so much. What would you eat, Matt? I was I was also thinking of the Pokemon tip. I think a a Moltres prepared like like duck. You know, like a mm. like like a duck Ooh. you would find in Chinatown, Peking um, Moltres. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. the correct answer is far fetched. It already comes with oh, the meat. Yeah, yeah. It comes yeah. pre seasoned. Yeah. No. Exactly. 
I am actually a pescatarian, so I do not eat the birds, but I would be kind of interested to try some of the birds from Witcher 3, though they're probably fairly tough and stringy in that game. <laughs> That's what I was about, thinking like, about. Monster birds? Griffins? Do, do dragons count in Skyrim? I think mm. you could try. If you eat gator, I don't see why you can't eat dragon. Oh, yeah. It totally would chase like chicken, right? Yeah. Mm. On a stick. I mean, that's the Midwestern <laughs> way. Is it really? No, I have to oh, ask. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are those chocobos, are they raised the same as other chocobos? Because th- those are riding animals. Like, that would be tough and stringy. No, I, I'd eat that fat chocobo, though, from Final Fantasy VII. I, I'd call in that fat chocobo. Yeah, are these, are these chocobos, like, stuffed into cages and just fattened up? Like, is it no, that kind the, of? It, this particular uh, group of people, they raise chocobos that are native, yes, like, from chicks, but they also hunt. I think the ones that they hunt are the ones that they eat. Okay. All right. Free range. So they, they know all things chocobo. <laughs> Free range chocobo. <laughs> Free range chocobo. Eric, what about you? Um, you know, I've been thinking, and uh, y'all have named all the really good ones, I think, so far, but since there was technically once a Lord of the Rings RPG, uh, I would eat Gandalf's eagles. I would call in <laughs> the eagles and just hit him with Gandalf's club and you know or a staff I guess it's not a club it's a staff but I would club them with Gandalf's staff and then uh I would eat some eagle that's because that's sacrilegious no sacrilegious no, it's all good it's all, look Gandalf was on top of that tower for a long time how do you think he was staying alive you think he was just being chill no he he was ate eating he was eating those moths that were coming around he's like okay I'll send you off to go to the Ugh. eagle and you I'll go oh yeah, but there's there's no protein in that moth. Come on now, he's he's oh, a wizard. He's got to stay it's powerful. There's all wings. Do we want to talk about eating bugs as snacks? Because I'm I'm oh. prepared. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the newsletter. If you enjoy the newsletter, you should uh, subscribe, and you'll be getting into your mailbox every single Wednesday. We're so close to a thousand subscribers. It's very exciting. All right, let's talk about some of the RPG news. And starting with the biggest news story, it's finally happened. It only took 13 years, which is a terrifying number for me to say out loud. But the world ends with you. Yes, folks, it's getting a follow-up. Maybe not necessarily a sequel. It's getting a follow-up. It's called Neo, The World Ends With You. It is a 3D version of The World Ends With You. It's for PlayStation 4 and crucially, Nintendo Switch. It's mm-hmm. fairly cell shaded. It's once again shut in Shibuya. It has brand new characters. We um, ha- have apparently seen the frantic, joyful cries of Eric and several other fans. <laughs> yes, certainly. Yeah, Eric, talk about talk to me about how important this is to you. Is it well, one of the most important things ever happened in the world? It, it honestly, like, 2020 is trying to rally and give me a good ending of the year because I got the Mass Effect remaster and A New World Ends With You, like, within the same month, essentially. So I'm having a great time. But The World Ends With You is, on any given day, I could call it my favorite game ever. Um, it was just the best. It's unlike, really, I think any other RPG that's out there. And uh, to see it finally get a little bit of recognition, uh, they've they've kind of flirted with it at times, but I, I think this just makes so much sense for them to go back to it. Uh, there's so much that is in this world that they can explore. Uh, as you noted, they, they keep framing it as a follow-up, uh, which I think is interesting because 
given the way that that story works, I could see them fudging timelines a little bit and stuff. Uh, and also one of the antagonists from the first game has been shown to be a party member in this game. And also there's like party combat and it's a single screen and there's still pins and stuff like that, but it's not that dual screen thing from the Nintendo DS, which is what made that first game really unique in combat. But I'm interested to see how they try and translate that into a, a full one screen follow-up game. They haven't been able to do that since the Nintendo DS. A lot of the ports weren't very good for the world ends with you, unfortunately. Yeah, I didn't go ahead with playing that, unfortunately. You uh, never played the world ends with you, Nadia? Oh, no, no, not. I played it, of course, but not the, the Switch ports. Uh, yeah, the Switch port was probably one of the weaker ones. Uh, if you're not going to play it on, if you're not going to play it on the Nintendo DS as God intended, then you can't really go wrong with the iOS version. Like the touchscreen controls aren't amazing, but it's okay. Unless it's still not compatible. It's been on and off um, over the years. Yeah, it, it's been up and down. And um, I will say this is not me endorsing or condoning any sort of actions that may uh be a part of this but not only is it like still playable on 3ds too like you can play it on the 3ds but i've i've heard of homebrew stuff that have have made the the wii u version work that i've been meaning to try out recently with my ds copy so um it's i'm interested to see I, i really just want this series to like keep living and keep being alive and the fact that it's sounding like the release of this game is going to line up with um the anime that's coming out that's adapting the first game as well. I just think it's going to be a really good time for people to jump in and experience what this has to offer because yeah, the combat is one thing. The dual screen stuff is one thing, but it's also just a really good story, a really cool world, like great music, great style, everything about it. Just, it was, there were so many people going like, Oh, this looks like persona five. Wow. <laughs> and like, I mean, it does. Okay. Summer children, like go back to school you're gonna learn the basics here like this is this is the good stuff this is what came before this was the the early progenitor of all that stuff back in eric's day back in that day the world ends with you is not the progenitor of all of this stuff because shimigami tensei was very much a thing long before the world ends with you rpgs set in tokyo with like demons and stuff is not a thing that was endemic yes. the world ends with I'm, you i'm talking purely about the style like having that sort of jet set radio style in mm. in a in an rpg because i played I, at the time uh i i was playing a lot of stuff on my ds because i've always kind of been a handheld when i was young i played a lot of like nintendo handheld games and i played through some of the shin megami tenseis that were on ds and 3ds and those were definitely more like really dark and moody and inspired by like Renaissance paintings and stuff like that. You look at the difference between say the Shin Megami Tensei five trailer and the persona five trailer. And that's kind of the difference between what it was back then too, with stuff like the world ends with you and uh, Shin Megami Tensei four and games like that. Matt, what's your connection to the world ends with you? If any, the thing I know most about the world ends with you, other than it's one of those games where if you happen across a fan, uh, and you didn't and you didn't know they were a fan. It's kind of like stepping on a landmine because you're just going <laughs> to you're going to hear about it. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. But I remember people just being absolute freaks for the street pass stuff and, and leveling up their pins like uh, I, I was on some forum at the time when that game was was new and people were talking about like, 
like holy shit i was i was on the subway and like i actually got street passed and my pins leveled up like there, mm-hmm. there's there are dozens of us out there i didn't know that street passing with pins was even a thing in the world ends with you because i never actually did this thing Yep, yep. Some of the pin sets required you to street pass in order to like evolve them into better versions of themselves. And there were also, they all had very weird requirements that were kind of similar to the Pokemon. You have to trade it to evolve it and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. taken to 11, which I would say is probably one of the things that they're going to change in this next one. <laughs> probably. Yeah, I remember the pin stuff. Um, I didn't realize that there was a street passing thing because I always tend to think of Dragon Quest IX as like the progenitor of street passing as we know it. Because yeah. street passing, of course, came around uh, on the Nintendo 3DS. So it's really interesting that the world ends with you beat everybody to the punch in that regard. Yeah, it was a weird thing to have in that game. Well, I mean, this was the heyday of people going, look at all these crazy bells and whistles on the Nintendo DS. It can, you know, connect online to people and it has a microphone for some reason and a camera. Maybe not a camera, but you, you see you see what I'm saying. Uh, oh, in the touch screen. So we're just going to go crazy in two screens. Uh, they're going to fight together at once. All of our <laughs> all of our games have to be named some version of like DS. So like Advanced mm-hmm. Wars Dual Strike, I think it was. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like Dual Strikers, Bleach, Dark Souls, like good stuff. I mean, that's it's hard to beat Kingdom Hearts, which managed to incorporate the 3DS name into its title as well. Dream Drop Distance. Oh, yeah. I never got that. Yep. Yep. 3DS, 3Ds. Now you get it. Frick's sake. So this is what I'm going to say about Neo, The World Ends With You. I think the original was perfect, and I don't really think that we need a follow-up and or sequel. Um, I welcome it into my life, but I also don't think it's going to land as hard given that Persona 5 is now very much a thing and kind of scratches that itch. When people say that it looks like low-rent Persona, I mean, it kind of does. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think what's been shown of it so far, um, I definitely understand why people are not as hot on it. And granted, a lot of my enthusiasm is coming from just the idea of us having more The World Ends With You content in the year 2021, which is just already bonkers to me. But I'd say I'd all I almost like that more like let the original live as what it was and let you know this thing try to be its own thing and try to do something different and if it doesn't stick we still got the original it's not gonna do anything weird about it it's not like they're remaking it or whatever like they're just trying something new in that universe and if it doesn't stick whatever yeah I mean, Nomura's been Nomura's been working really hard to try and get this game made for 13 years so good for him yeah. he finally <laughs> got his game I've always said that like he really was in his element with the, the world ends with you. And I hope he is in this one as well. At a minimum, it should sell better because the original really did not sell very well, given that even though it was a, a Nintendo DS game, it, it was kind of strange, actually. It just got completely overlooked uh, in its day. Oh, did it not sell well? Uh, that's, that is kind of strange. Famously sold rather poorly, actually. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I don't think anybody strange. really knew what to make of it when it came out originally. It was they're like going, okay, what is this strange game? Like, how do you play it? Like, I didn't really understand. I, I remember seeing promos for The World Ends With You and everything, and maybe even seeing demos and stuff, and I'm like, I, I don't get it. So it's an RPG in Tokyo? Okay. But I ended up picking it up, and it really resonated with me back in the day because, A, 
it was one of the most beautiful games on the Nintendo DS. Mm-hmm. It had just phenomenal graphics. Mm-hmm. It had a kicking soundtrack. A oh, yeah. Great, great soundtrack. Had a surprisingly, it had a really interesting structure and a surprisingly moving story. And I mean, I commuted through Shibuya, like I passed through it every day. So that was like my hood, you know, I, I love Shibuya. <laughs> so, yeah. So I and like being there, like it just instantly resonated with me. I hope that the world ends with you. Neo is everybody's weird and interesting and in some ways transgressive as the original game. Uh, I hope they explore concepts like the fact that a character can be born into a different body when they die, for example. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I hope they explore the fashion scene of Shibuya even more. I, I think that there's a lot of the culture to mine in Neo The World Ends With You. That's yeah. my greatest hope for it. I hope so. I think you're right. What do you think, Eric? I Yeah, I just I wanted to do something interesting. I wanted to be different. I wanted to stand out. Um, I think the worst thing that this game could do is play it safe. So, um, you know, it's from what they've shown, they definitely look like they're trying to do something at least somewhat different. And they're leaning into some of their strengths a little bit. Like, I'm I'm just happy they're bringing back Minami Moto, the, the math obsessed bad guy who yells Soka Toa and stuff like that. Uh, he was the greatest. Yeah. He's, oh my he's God. The best, and I'm so glad that he's going to play a larger role in this game. Uh, so but... Zeta slow. <laughs> uh, now I just want to go replay that game now. <laughs> I kind of do too. I, I got a DS here. I bet I could dig up an old copy. I'm sure it's probably rare, somewhat rare on uh, uh, original it's... copies are somewhat rare. I recently bought a copy for myself and it is not, that rare i've bought something like two or three copies of this game over the years and you can still get a ds copy of this game for a pretty reasonable price so. oh, and you can play it on 3ds it's great yeah. so what you're saying eric is that you can and this is to correct my earlier street pass error you can mingle mode with yourself with all your that copies is, i was sitting there i was like it wasn't called street pass but i couldn't remember what the name I, of it I was wiki yeah. it, and mingle mode is not a great name for it imo <laughs> No, I've already gotten three emails just in the recording of this. I don't even know how people managed to do it, but it was pretty amazing. <laughs> you don't wait, Matt. Are you saying you don't like going on the subway and mingling? <laughs> you don't like mingling on the subway? Well, these days, especially not. But <laughs> oh, yeah, you gotta be safe. Mm. Matt, are you going to play Neo? The world ends with you or is it not really your jam? I mean, always with with franchises, well, one game before now it's going to be an anime, you know, but always with things like these where people are really jazzed about like it's it's coming back. They're making another one like there is that fun thing of getting in on the zeitgeist and being part of that wave of people who are experiencing it for the first time, like before they get into it. So I think it'll just kind of depend on like how 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 much time would I need to sink into it? Because that's going to be the thing. I would have to budget time for one RPG and then the next Mm. and you know, back to back like that, I don't, I don't normally do. So like, would this be a thing I should chip away at if I want to get up to speed before Neo? Or is it something I could kind of, you know, do in a week leading up to the launch of the next one? The World one? Ends With You is very short. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. Less than 20 hours. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then that, that makes the chances of me playing much, much higher. <laughs> and the anime gives you an easy out as well. Because like, full confession... Before I ever played Persona 4, I just watched Persona 4 the animation, and I thought that was a fine way to just get the broad story beats of what that game was. Wasn't that the one where it was animated so badly that GA showed up twice in one frame? 
Yes. Look, I'm not <laughs> saying it was a good anime. I'm just saying it's a good way to get the story. Dude, but you like spoiled yourself on the story. Like yeah. there's some great reveals in Persona 4 that are totally going to be spoiled by the animation. That's that all well, yeah, it's it's just the story of the game. That's that was the idea. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> I'll watch a long play. And it's How also, about that? Okay, shout outs real quick to Persona 4 Golden the animation because for some reason they decided to uh animate golden just so they could add in the content of that character and instead of just adding some episodes they did the entire series again but and this is maybe the best idea in all of video game anime adaptations when they did the golden animation they used all the reactions and personality of uh the main character when it's new game plus because when you play new game plus in those games you get a bunch of new dialogue options and stuff that are all very cheeky or fourth wall and that kind of stuff and it's so good it's very very good for yeah, that that is, kind of, that is actually a really good idea i yeah. don't think i played new game plus and persona 4 so i didn't get to see that it's uh it's almost worth it just for that Port of the world ends with you and was like it's like it's not persona stop calling it persona anyway persona's pretty good rpg isn't it <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually getting the itch to play persona 5 royal i feel like this is going to be a mistake especially since i have cyberpunk and yakuza just like right there look you know? look put it on switch I, I will play it if it's on switch it will never but... be out on switch it's never happened I, i'm pretty sure sony's got to have some sort of exclusivity deal going on otherwise it would have been on there long ago it would have come out a couple years ago on yeah. switch if that were the case like atlas would have been falling all over themselves to get this game on switch but there's some kind of exclusivity probably okay let's continue on Cyberpunk got a whole lot going on. CDPR QA lead shares their Nomad save file on Twitter, currently sitting at over 170 hours played. Jesus, they Mary. clarify it's a slow-paced playthrough on the hardest difficulty, more stealthy than usual, looting everything and using every feature the game has to offer. It sounds like they probably had to work a lot of overtime getting that playthrough going. No, I, I kid, mostly. Anyway, yeah, this is going to be a long game almost... If the world ends with you is less than 20 hours, this game, Cyberpunk just wants you to play it forever. I Yeah. I dropped this in here because I found it was interesting. Because um, mm. this was kind of, I, I think some places picked this up as like, oh my God, it's going to take you over 170 hours to beat Cyberpunk. It's like, no, no, this, is, this dude was immediately no, no, no. out there saying, hey, look, this is, I'm a QA lead. I am playing the game on its hardest difficulty. Mm-hmm. Like, doing stealth which everyone knows a stealth playthrough takes forever because you just sit around a corner and wait for patrol routes to finish and stuff yeah um he's literally doing as much as he can on you know at his own personal a 100 percent completion from the sound of it yeah yeah Yeah. and if you go and you play fallout or the witcher this way it will easily take you that long to play it like i know a lot of people who have played those games and just put that much time into it because they're not trying to play it for completion or play it to the end of the story or whatever. They just, they just want to open it up and, you know, they want to mosey around. They want to live in the world a little bit. They want to do neat things and run over. 2011, it was kind of infamous to like start Skyrim and not ever finish the main quest. Everyone just got so tied up in side quests that they never finished the game. Yeah. So it, it sounds like it's got, if anything, this indicates to me that this is a denser game than I thought it was going to be. I was kind of assuming that it would be much more of a 
you kind of go through the main plot and side quests pop up as they pop up. But it sounds like it's maybe a little bit closer to The Witcher than I was initially assuming with how there is a main narrative that you can follow on the overworld. But there's also just lots of little things to do or maybe similar to like Valhalla uh, for a more recent game comparison. You know, there's stuff for you that you can do that will move the story along, but you can also just kind of get lost in the world and do stuff and have have a theoretically good time doing it. Matt, one of the running conversations that we've been having on Axe of the Blood God is whether or not we're positive or negative on Cyberpunk. <laughs> I, I tend to be a little more like, oh, come on, give it a chance. Maybe it'll be good. And there are other people who are like, I'm just not, I'm out. I'm out on it. Everything that's been around the marketing has been really bad. I'm curious what your take is. Eric and I were just having this discussion prior to starting the show, and I'm I'm leaning very heavily toward out. Uh, I you know I just what five seconds ago said I I'm not one to play super long RPGs, um, and to the point of things like Fallout and so forth. Like there are exceptions where I've 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 sunk a bunch of time into those. Like New Vegas, I would probably play that again tomorrow. I actually I have the day off tomorrow, so I could. Um, hey. but. Yeah, just everything I've seen. I think I've written two of our site's news posts being like, hey, it got delayed again. Here's here's what's going on at the studio. It doesn't sound great from the outside. Um, gives me a lot of pause. And what I was saying uh, to Eric is that what I need for Cyberpunk and for any game uh, that, you know, again, this this QA tester's experience is not necessarily representative, but any game that you can stretch out that long that is that dense and full of side quests and so forth, I need like the equivalent of the X-Files episode guide that tells you what Monster of the Week episodes you can just outright skip or that you should skip because they're like, hey, maybe this didn't come across as super racist in the 90s, but it does now. Like, um, I need I need that kind of content guide written for Cyberpunk where it's like, here's the good stuff about Cyberpunk that you can string together into like a cohesive playthrough minus all the stuff that's just like not so great um because i have a feeling no matter how it shakes out there's going to be a good chunk of that game that i'm going to be inclined to skip if i if i know i want uh, to be able to play it with the japanese voice track i was listening to earlier mm -hmm. yeah it's that that sounds pretty cool um i i posted in the slack that i kind of want I, in my dreams, the Japanese dub would have all new voice actors except for Keanu Reeves. Who That's just gotta be a mod voices. day one, right? <laughs> yeah. Find a way to mod Keanu Reeves speaking Japanese into this game. I don't know how, but do it. Fine. Or just have him speaking English, but everybody else is speaking Japanese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, my parting shot on Cyberpunk is I wouldn't blame anybody for waiting to play with Cyberpunk because by all accounts, it's going to be as we were saying in the last episode, a little bit framey yeah. on uh, current gen consoles. And God help you if you have a launch Xbox One looking at you, Nadia. <laughs> I wouldn't blame anybody who, say, waited for a proper next-gen release on PS5 or Xbox Series X. Because if I recall correctly, that is actually coming, right? So Yeah, it's coming sometime next year. Yeah, so if you decide to wait till then... There are a lot of good RPGs to play right now. Assassin's oh, Creed Valhalla. Maybe you should play some Yakuza Like a Dragon. Just hint, hint. All right. And the final news item. Baldur's Gate 3 is getting its first early access story changes. Interesting to finally see what Larian is going to fiddle with in the narrative. This will make saves incompatible going forward. Similar to Divinity Original Sins 2. 
early access, but it also makes me curious what they're going to modify or add. Worth noting that several romance scenes are just placeholder images right now that are unintentionally <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, I had to call that out specifically because um, I, I don't know how deep y'all got into the Baldur's Gate 3 early access. Uh, I haven't finished it yet, but I've been fooling around with some of the different quests and stuff like that here and there. And one of the things that the community immediately latched onto is that some romance scenes are fully in the game because uh, there's a very specific point in the game where once you complete a plot point, there is a party at your campfire. And that's when you can kind of initiate a romance scene with your various companions. And some of them are very like not even like, you know, the wink, wink, nudge, nudge romance scenes. Like there's one where you just sit with Shadowheart and talk with her for a bit. Um but there is like one with Lazale specifically where you go off to hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And uh, it's like, now we will consummate the act and celebrate our victory. And then it just goes to a thing that says like under construction, I think. And it's an image of the mind flayer. And there's like a dialogue thing at the bottom stringing along like what words are supposed to be happening in some points. That's just like, yes, good, good job. And they, and they, <laughs> they pair that with a mind flare. That's like the most yeah. thing I could think of. So somebody edited that with, um, they edited it. So the mind flare was pointing a finger at like you specifically, like pointing out from the screen and it just says horny on it. <laughs> I really appreciate but yeah, there are there are sections of that game that you get to and it's just like, hey, guess what? This scene is still under construction. We don't have it in yet. Uh, come back later, I guess. <laughs> and uh, the idea of them adding more story stuff and even messing with what's in there right now sounds really interesting. There's a lot of theory uh, and and like, you know, some digging through the files to back this up that one of the big characters early on uh druid halzen is going to be a companion character at some point and that would involve changing around his quest a little bit so that you would get to a point where you can theoretically recruit that character so i'm interested to see how this story evolves uh i really like the game but getting to see a massive rpg like this being built in real time is is really interesting going around the table really quickly are you guys interested in playing early access games? Or are you more like me wanting to wait for the final version to come out? Because to wit, uh, I love Hades to death and you can, you it's been possible to play Hades in one form or another since late 2018, but there are so many differences between the early access version and the final version that I'm kind of glad that I got the final vision. Like for example, like if you've, finished Hades during early access uh, for a long time. I think you just got kind of a storyboard of what the ending might look like. I mean, I can't imagine having losing that kind of impact when I finally beat the final boss, right? So I, I'm curious like what your thoughts are, Nadia? Um, I'm like you. I think I'd much rather play the full finished product, although I do think if you are a developer or you're just interested in the game development process, playing early access could be extremely fascinating. Like, even though I would not personally want to finish Hating to get a storyboard for it, at the same time, I'd be a little bit interested to see, like, oh, what's it like to storyboard a, a video game scene? So that would give me a little insight into that. So um, it would not be my preferred way of playing a game, but I am glad the the option is there for people who want it. Matt? 
I think generally I'm of the mind that I want to play the finished product, especially since some of my favorite games, um, you know, take, for instance, the Half-Life series, when they started doing developer commentaries for those, uh, mm-hmm. you learn exactly in that uh, sense how painstaking it is to like make what seem like, in hindsight, the simplest design decisions or things that you don't even notice. And I, I love having that stuff explained to me. I'm not a super huge fan of seeing how, how the sausage is made firsthand for a lot of games, especially like games that if they're in early access and they haven't really established their core loop. Like for me, the, the, the perennial, like this is my example of early access that just worked out the gate was Minecraft because by the time I hopped on that, mm-hmm. you know, in 2010, you could build your stuff. There was survival. That's all you needed. You didn't need an end mode and, you know, mm-hmm. dragons to hunt any of that stuff. The game was there. Um, and so I, I, I lean towards, I like to see the final product. And then I like to go back and look at like any beta builds or put on the developer commentary, you know, by, by the book where they're just like, yeah, this thing was a nightmare to, to get feeling right. Um, that that's, that's the perspective I like to take. But uh, I do love the idea of going into a romance scene. I didn't know it was going to be a mind flare when you were describing it, Eric. But I love the idea of like just starting a really dramatic scene. And then you get one of those gifts from the old internet of just like a construction worker and some flashing lights being like, come back later. We'll, we'll fix this. And a little page counter at the end, like 1,000 players have reached this scene. And Eric, what what is it about early access games that draw you in? Is it just that you're enjoying the game that much and you're totally willing to roll with it? Yeah, um, I mean, part of it is definitely that uh, I'm I'm generally more open to early access things just because I do. And <laughs> God, sorry, I'm, I pulled up the, <laughs> the Lizale romance scene again. Stop laughing at the mind flare image. I'll share it in the Discord later. It's really good. Um, the uh, I I think part of it is not even just seeing the sausage get made, but I I am kind of. And this might be a very uh, spicy take to have, but I think early access can create a ship of Theseus problem where when is the game actually finished and when are you done with it? And then when do you just keep adding on to it because you've just created this loop for yourself now of, well, you know, early access is what we are and we keep adding things to the game, but are you going to lose what makes that game work? Like, I think Minecraft is a really good example of I thought that game was really good where it was. And I don't know if adding the Ender Dragon really does anything for me or adds anything to that game. Uh, last year, actually, I put Risk of Rain 2 on my game of the year list because it was one of the 10 best games I played last year, even though it was an early access game and they didn't have the ending or the final boss or some of the characters that it has now. Just because in that state, I thought it was really good. And it's not going to make my game of the year list this year. Um not. I have a similar question for myself now with Spelunky 2, which again, not an RPG, but that game was not early access. And then it's gotten several balance changes and updates and, and things to like tweak the difficulty that like make a, a typical run of that game really different for me. Namely, they removed some like easy cheeses you can do. And it's like, well, I gave that game a four and a half. Um, I thought it was going to be really high on my list. It's still probably going to be on my list, but you're you're right with the Ship of Theseus comparison. It's just like, especially with early access games aren't done when they ship now and that just makes it all the more clear like this is a game that was out in the world and out in the consciousness when it was being built so when do you when do you say all right we're done (laughs) like stop exactly and like i'm used to this because i play 
a lot of games that update over time, like my Dota uh, <laughs> uh, love is pretty well known. And I actually, this week, strangely enough, I've been, my Dota group has gotten tired of Dota and we've started playing Heroes of the Storm again. And hot, that interesting. Game, that game's all right. That really? game is pretty decent. Um, huh. Like I went back and they've added so many characters that are all these really interesting designs. Like I never thought that Anna from Overwatch would be an interesting character design in a MOBA, but it really is. And I was playing that and I was just thinking to myself, you know, years ago when I stopped playing this game, I was like, oh, this is just it's boring. I don't find this interesting. I don't think it's doing anything for me. But the balance changes and the new maps and the characters they've added have just done a lot to make that game better. But does that mean that Heroes of the Storm is a good game? Or does that mean that Heroes of the Storm as it is right now is a good game and it could later not be a good game? Like that, mm-hmm. you create that problem hey, with early you're access. you a FIFA player right here. <laughs> the game that always turns out good and then becomes really bad. But from a, a single player context, I'm thinking a lot about Mass Effect 3 and Final Fantasy 15, two single player RPGs that are ostensibly shipped as finished projects. But were iterated upon quite extensively after after the release. 15 had a lot added to it after the release, and not just the DLC, but just the game in general. Yeah, playing the Royal Edition has almost no bearing on what the original looked like. And to be honest, same with uh, Persona 5 Royal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very different. It's Obviously, you can recognize what you're playing, but you'll you'll see the changes everywhere if you know where to look. I am curious, dear listener, do you like early access or do you not like early access? You should send me an email, cat.bailey at usgamer.net, or send me a Twitter on DM on Twitter, that place. <laughs> this is the social media account, the underscore catbot. All right, it's time for the quiz show of the Blood Gods. Let's go. Okay, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to read questions, and you guys are going to answer. If you don't know, if nobody knows, here's the deal. I will give a point to anybody who comes up with the most interesting answer. Right? So be creative with the answers. Don't just say, I don't know. Um, And if you get it right, hey, you get a point too. So that's very fun. So you could, so it'll be fun. This is a very informal game. It's mostly an opportunity to have a fun conversation and learn a little bit of RPG trivia. Are you re- guys ready to go? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, let's do Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to do. Uh, what was it? Uh, the biggest? No, not the biggest loser. You are the weakest link. <laughs> All right, <laughs> get up here. No, oh, no, I'm the weakest link. No. Okay. Uh, All right. First question. <laughs> Oh my god, I didn't know there was question music. This is way too much pressure. <laughs> All right, the first question. An early concept of Vincent from Final Fantasy VII was originally modeled after a character from this popular 90s television show. What was it? Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Do we do we buzz in? Do we have to say like? Do, oh, do everybody a... gets a chance to answer. Huh? There's my answer. <laughs> <sighs> Popular '90s show. 
No, that's not 90s. Oh, God. (laughs) You're young. I mean, if we're talking most interesting answer here, I'm just going to toss out uh, Frasier. Oh, (laughs) Frasier. So Frasier and Vincent, where's the connection here? I'm wondering. Look, you just asked for most interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the Niles in this relationship then? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, is there is there not a Niles in Final Fantasy VII? That's kind of disappointing thinking about it. Yeah, I don't think there's a Niles in Final Fantasy VII. I mean, Sid is definitely the the dad. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, Eric, do you have an answer for me? Uh, was Yu Yu Hakusho made it? Yes, it was. Uh, Yu Yu Hakusho is my answer. Yu Yu Hakusho. That's an <laughs> interesting answer. The closest that we got. That's a name that I haven't heard in a long time. A long time. Um. All right. The answer was X-Files. Get out of town. Yep, X-Files. An original concept, an early concept for Vincent was he went from horror researcher to chemist to film noir style detective with a heavy resemblance to Fox Mulder. So there you go. That game has been places when you look at all the inspirations behind it. Yeah. Well, Vincent was an interesting character anyway because... He was not finished, and that's why he became kind of a secret character. Uh, fans speculate that one of the reasons that what they were he was supposed to have a much better storyline. It was supposed to be about awakening his powers and that kind of thing, and he had a much heavier connection to Sephiroth and everything. And instead, his stats are kind of low, and his story isn't very good. But yeah, Fox and Mulder. his his, uh, his limit breaks kind of suck. There's always been a, a prevailing rumor amongst the fans that he's actually the father of Sephiroth, not Hojo. But uh, yeah, you're right. That could have been, he could have had a really good uh, storyline. He did feel a little bit underdeveloped. I hope that Vincent gets a better shot to kind of shine in Final Fantasy VII Remake too. If, yeah. If there's any reason for these games to exist, I think it's definitely being able to do more with Yuffie and uh, Vincent is one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Crisis Core does a lot more with Yuffie, which is nice. But I really think Vincent has a long way to crawl up from Dirge of Cerberus. So good luck to him. <laughs> well, the best answer, as far as I'm concerned, was Fraser. Hell it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense, but it did make me laugh. So yes. one point has been awarded to Matt. Ooh, I still think Friends was a good answer. <laughs> Friends wasn't a bad answer. But which one would it be? Would it, And why is it Ross? Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could see uh, Phoebe being like, no, I don't know. <laughs> I have now said the two names from friends that I can like remember off the top of my head. Joey. Rachel. Oh, Joey, yeah. Chandler. Oh, I didn't Ch- even watch this show. Chandler was a names. boring one, though. He now, was in the West Wing ones. Now, let's be clear. Oh, he was. Uh, Matthew Perry is a fan of RPGs, or at least the Fallout series, so he might be a listener of this show. So Chandler Bing, sorry to denigrate you. Please shout out. Republican in the West Wing, boo. (laughs) (laughs) One of the many Republican lawyers who gets featured in that show. Yeah, but in a very Sorkin way, he was a good Republican. (laughs) (laughs) The the quote unquote good Republican. Yeah. Who's actually a liberal, but they don't really know it. The the Sorkin motto of if you're a Republican, you better be hot uh, was the actual <laughs> way they phrased that. I've been rewatching The West Wing because I like to cause harm to myself. I've been I actually watched a bunch of random clips of Ainsley from West Wing just recently, and it was kind of fascinating 
to watch her as a character. I feel like I could watch, I could write a whole thesis on that particular character. <laughs> it's a shame that they didn't keep her around because she would have been a good foil to the to the main cast, even as Aaron Sorkin quietly made it so that she was always wrong in one way or another. Yep. Yep. Okay, one point to Matt. It's time for question two. Thanks to this RPG, a little-known real-life town became a popular tourist destination. Fallout 4. (laughs) (laughs) But what was the town? Uh, Boston. Cape Fear. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Fredonia. Is it Fredonia? I'm going with... No, no. I'm thinking, no. I'm changing... I'm retroactively changing my answer because I was thinking of a different Fallout game because these two games look the same to me in my head. Uh, Fallout 3, The Republic of Dave. That's what I was thinking of. Was yeah. In Fallout 3 there is a commune called the Republic of Dave and it's one of the best areas in that game. Nadia. Uh I'm going to actually also say Fallout 3 Washington DC because my friend went on a tour this little known real little life town. town. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, there's a like, Washington DC? I thought there was just there the state. Go. What? I thought it was just a rumor. It's a myth. Okay, I'm going to say Shibuya. <laughs> <laughs> Persona 5 and Shibuya. There we go. Now you can name three places. Washington, D.C., Shibuya, and Toronto, Canada. I don't think there's any RPGs in Toronto. Um, there should be. There should be. I mean, does Scott Pilgrim count? I mean, it was a beat-em-up, but it yeah, had RPG elements. It, it, it had RPG elements? You beat up people Matt, and got students from them. My, Matt, what's your answer? My serious answer, trying to game this out, uh, is going to be Fallout New Vegas and then Good Springs, the town you start Ooh. out in. Oh, Trying to game this out. I like this. All right. And. Hey, it's Matt's right. It's oh, Good Springs. Oh. Congratulations, Matt, for actually getting. Well done. It's not Good a shit. Job. It's a natural answer. Yes, it was Good Springs. It became a bit of a tourist destination. If you go on Reddit, people will be talking a fair amount about the Pioneer Saloon where apparently there are still bullet holes in the wall from when a card shock was shot and killed in 1915 after Damn. being caught cheating. Pretty good food, too, by all accounts. So I can imagine. I'm surprised it's Fallout New Vegas. That's, I mean, I know it's like now it's critically revered, but I, for some reason, remember it not being that way at launch, mostly due to bugs and stuff like that. So I'm surprised it still had that like fan attachment to it. It, did. it was 100% not... Uh, that revered when it originally released because I think people kind of saw it as the 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 weaker cousin to the original to Fallout Three, and it certainly had tons of bugs and everything. It just didn't land as hard, and it's only in hindsight I feel, a- along with tons of mods, that mm-hmm. Fallout New Vegas has become kind of the beloved game that uh, we know it is today. I was- if Fallout seventy six was more popular, I'd go ahead and say White Sulphur Springs because that's where the Greenbrier is and that's where a lot of a big chunk of the game takes place like major plot wise and i was actually there and uh it was really really nice i'm surprised we all went with us and like fallout because part of me was going wait is it the small town from persona 4 like is there mm. is oh, there a real life yeah. analog that there's just, not yeah hmm. inaba uh but there midgard. is <laughs> yeah, it's, it's midgard <laughs> 
I was I, going Fallout just because we had just done a question about a Japanese RPG, so I figured Kat was going to try and switch it up on us. It's going to flip flop oh, it. Surprise! Mm. He knows your number. Yeah, well, good job, Matt. He's got two points. I will say that when it comes to Fallout, I feel the series is actually more at home on in the West than it is in the East Coast. Okay. Bethesda always loves to set it on the Eastern Seaboard with Washington, D.C. and yeah, Boston are. and whatnot. But, I mean, the original Fallout was much more about the California Republic, Nevada, California, the Pacific Northwest, that kind of thing. And, you know, certainly, I mean, there are plenty of urban areas uh, out here in California and whatnot. But, uh, you know, there's an Old West kind of aspect of Fallout that I think gets lost a little bit when you're, playing in washington dc or whatever fallout texas is what you're saying we need we need hmm. obsidian's fallout yeehaw edition someday I've, I've said it from the start we need a game set in minneapolis fallout minneapolis let's go fallout canada come on people fallout toronto fallout. would be great fallout toronto i mean uh in the fallout universe uh canada was annexed into the states but toronto still gotta be there think about how about how many jokes you can make about wood chippers in a fallout minneapolis <laughs> all of them all right, that's two points to Matt. Man, guys, step yeah, up your I know, game. Right? Nadia, Ooh. Eric. Yeah, hoosh. I come on here Speaking say I don't play games over 30 hours long, and I'm just racking up the points. Matt is sharking us right now. <laughs> I love he was gaming this out. Like, he actually figured this out. I love it. I love those words. Okay, question number three. In this RPG, there was a bug so severe that it later became the model for disease research Strong comparisons to the COVID-19 pandemic. That was World of Warcraft. Oh, Nadia. Very good. Yes. And I think, unfortunately, what's really sad is the in-game universe. I forgot exactly how it worked, but the in-game universe handled the pandemic much, much better than we are handling it in real life. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't just hard reset the server, right? You can try, but uh, yeah. That was such yeah. a cool thing. It was such a this, this one was kind of a gimme. I mean, it's a relatively famous incident. But on the other hand, we lost all of our World of Warcraft uh, experts. So I was kind of like going, oh, do they know about this one? Is this before their time? I don't know. Uh, they they reference it. They make a joke about it in Mythic Quest, um, mm. that that Apple TV show. Because there's there's a part where a disease starts going around and it makes you like vomit and like projectile poop blood from, from both <laughs> orifices and it creates like a flood of blood uh yeah it's 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 juvenile but you know what it, it got me because i was like yeah this i remembered the warcraft thing and it was that stuff like that is fascinating to me even though i don't like mmos in general so the tldr of it was that blizzard introduced a contagious debuff called corrupted blood that could be passed along to nearby characters, killing lower-level characters in seconds. NPC pets could also catch the blood and serve as vectors. Mm -hmm. Major towns and cities were abandoned as panic set in and players evacuated to the countryside. Blizzard attempted a voluntary quarantine, but it failed as players didn't take it seriously. Oh, <laughs> that sounds like nothing at all. <laughs> real life going on. Why does it sound so familiar? Also, griefers would intentionally spread it. Ah, Jesus. God. What? Also sounds, okay. sounds about right. If, we're going to, if this is going to be so one-to-one -to, -one to real life, why can't we live in a world where there are pegasi and dragons and griffins? Exactly. If if I'm going to be living in 2020, the year that it, this just became a shitty MMO, 
uh <laughs> like at least let me cast fireballs with my hands or something yeah it's not a big ask sorry eric here's an amazon alexa for your troubles <laughs> I, have one. I have one of those already yeah it did actually become like a really interesting case study for disease research and uh the corrupted blood incident came up again when the COVID 19 pandemic started and unfortunately as i already mentioned we aren't able to do a hard reset of the server i wish we could do that so we could roll back to i don't know the 2015 patch that would be pretty nice yeah let's do that <laughs> All right, that is two points to Matt and one point to Nadia. Nadia's catching up. All right, so let's see if we can do question four. Which of these celebrities did not appear in an RPG? Michael Fassbender, Matthew Perry, Ariana Grande, Sean Bean, or Kristen Bell? I want to say Ariana. The first one. I forgot who it was, but I think it was the first one. Michael Fassbender? Michael Fassbender. So I guess I got to claim someone else. Can I get the list one more time? I'm juggling a bunch right. of names in my head. <laughs> one more time. Michael Fassbender, Matthew Perry, Ariana Grande, Sean Bean, Kristen Bell. Okay. Well, I know, I know one of those was in a not, well, a series that wasn't RPGs then. Um, I'm going to go Sean Bean. Okay, so Matt's answer was Sean Bean, Eric's answer was Michael Fassbender, and Nadia's answer was Ariana Grande? Yes. And nobody got this one right. The correct wow. answer was Kristen Bell. She was oh. in an Assassin's Creed. She was not in an RPG. To my knowledge, I, I looked it up. I was like hoping that Mark Hamill hadn't been in an RPG, but he has, in fact, no, he's been in, been in Like a Dragon just recently. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was you know saying. Who else though. was in the Yakuza Like a Dragon? Uh, George, George Takei. Yeah. That's right. He plays. Uh, he plays. What's his name? His mentor, right? His father. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was trying to find. Uh, I was like, had George Takei been in any? It was like, nope. He's been in an RPG. Yakuza Like a Dragon. Wait. So you got to go back over. The, I know what Ariana Grande has been in. She was in mm. the Final Fantasy game, right? I mm. thought so. I knew I associated her with Final Fantasy in some way, but I wasn't one hundred percent sure. What was? Sean Bean, what what were Sean Bean and Michael Fassbender in? Okay, Michael Fassbender, just to go through it all of it, he was a villainous king in Fable 3. Oh, come on. Matthew Perry, of course, was in Fallout New Vegas. He was Benny, because he played so much Fallout 3 that, quote, he needed injections into his hands after it seized into a claw-like grasp. I love knowing that Matthew Perry holds, like, the claw grip controller. Like, he's ready to show up. He's ready to show up as a pad player (laughs) to a a fighting game tournament. (laughs) Ariana Grande was a playable character in Final Fantasy Brave Expius for some reason. What the? I remember that now. (laughs) Okay, yeah. And I remember looking at that saying, what the frick? Imagine trying to, like, pull cloud and get ariana grande (laughs) right uh sean bean was emperor martin septim in oblivion oh yes he dies in the next game oh yep and finally Kristen bell she was in an assassin's creed so Mm -hmm. i award you no points and god have mercy on your soul (laughs) 
that was the thing is that I knew Belle was in those first Assassin's Creed games. So I was like, but she must have also been an RPG. I thought I thought it was tripping me up. And I was just thinking like exactly. Sean Bean, right? He was in Hitman. You kill him in Hitman, that one mission. Oh. And that's got to be it. So my my rule is if somebody has done a video game once, they are more likely to have done more video games because they're not mm. all like, oh, video games. Uh, so like. I, I knew that Kristen Bell had been Assassin's Creed, so I was like, okay, she probably has done some voice acting in some random RPG. Like, she's probably a character in Kingdom Hearts or something like that. But is there a frozen Michael RPG with her Fassbender. real voice? Yeah, like Michael Fassbender. I completely. I mean, I forgot most of Fable Three, but man, so, so say we all. <laughs> oh, I was so confident in that one. I mean. Okay, you guys thought I. You guys thought you were. It's like you got a softball, and you're like, "Haha, cat." We we got cat this time. No, I got you. Take that. I'm Damn you, Michael Fassbender. You gorgeous man. You. The pl- the blood god wins in this one. Okay, Eric, you better get a point in this next one I'm because this one's on for it. you. <laughs> this one's for you. All right, this is question five. BioWare was famously founded in part by the doctors, Ray Musica and Greg Zischuk, but there was actually a third doctor in the mix. Who was it? I literally, I literally just bought this book that is the 25 years (laughs) of BioWare's history. (sighs) And you know what one of the only parts I haven't read yet is? The beginning. Oh my god. Because Eric. my dumbass was like, I gotta know what happened in with Dragon Age 2's development. And I was like, who cares about the early years? That's not Dragon Age 2. Oh <laughs> god. <laughs> Doctor. You can still earn a point with a creative answer, by the way, Nadia yeah. and Matt. Oh, okay. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Nick. That's, that's my answer. <laughs> oh, playing to the playing Ooh. to the crowd. Eric gets minus one point for that one. I, I'm going to go with Dr. Dragon Age. Dr. Dragon Age? What? <laughs> exactly. Matt? My answer is Dr. Dre. He's just a smart mogul. He knew there was big money in RPGs. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good answer because I forgot about Dre. I can forget about Dre. The correct answer was Augustine Yip, which is a great name, who... Uh, Yip met Ray Musica and Greg Zischuk at the University of Alberta and helped to develop a medical simulation along with them. Also, Ray Musica and Greg Zischuk were programming educational software at the time. The three would ultimately go on to form BioWare along with Trent Oster and like some relatives. Yip decided to leave BioWare in 1998. This is what he had to say about it. To be blunt, we just were exhausted. Game development was 18-hour days, no exercise, poor nutrition, literally pizzas and coke for breakfast, lunch, and summer. supper. You're basically locked in windowless rooms with 50 other geeks playing games and talking about games all the time. I am an avid but uncoordinated sportsman. I play tennis, ski, badminton, golf, and everything else. I just knew that I couldn't keep doing this. Wow, humble much. <laughs> much of a jock for game dev. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I work out. Uh, I like to see daylight. Meanwhile, he's over here dissing on our quarantine lifestyles. Like you were listing that, and I was like, "That's what I've done for the last six months." <laughs> in 2013, I spent three months working in a windowless room, and it wasn't so bad because we had FIFA 
and camaraderie. It was great. But maybe for longer than that, it would have gotten a little bit old. Mm. You know uh, what that was, Cat. You know what that that was. That was that scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail where the first two knights go up and they get easy questions and walk across, and the third guy walks up and gets a really hard question and gets flung off. You just flung me off the bridge. <laughs> I sure did, because you're at minus one point now. <laughs> I'm getting sandbagged in this game. And Nadia. I liked your answer the best. Dr. Dragon Age makes no dang sense, but it's okay to me. (laughs) It made me laugh. So Nadia has two points and Matt has two points. Eric is at minus one. (laughs) We're really subtracting. There'll be a lightning round. (laughs) Oh, there will be. I hope you're ready. All right. Question number six. Persona 4 was originally intended to have a gay romance option. True or false true true yusuke i think yep. you could, you yep. could uh, hook up with yusuke so instead they made him terribly homophobic yeah i i want to say there are even files in there that steam modders have gotten at yeah i feel like that without the happy Woo-hoo. sound <laughs> yes it's true <laughs> i hit it twice so true that i hit it twice uh yes yes uh eric got it first so, Eric, you're bad at zero. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm evening back out only because uh, I got to shout out my my Normandy FM co-host, uh, Kenneth Shepard, who would have actually driven across the U.S. to kick my ass if I did not get that question right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. Unused dialogue strongly suggests that Yosuke could be a romantic option for you. That would be the main character. There are minor changes depending on choices you make with him, like giving you a hug. Oh, oh. and there's a mod that restores the romance, because of course. Yes. Um, some of the dialogue include, you've helped me to realize who I am, partner, and how I feel. It's very sweet. Hmm. That's really a shame they took that out. Yeah, I, I think that people would be a lot less harsh on Persona 4. I think it would have changed our reading quite a bit if they hadn't dummied out that text. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's something that they really need to think about moving forward because even just the response to when they made persona three for the, I think it was for the PSP, the persona three portable uh, and added the female uh, protagonist and you could romance all the boys and people are like, why don't you just do this with (laughs) the dude? Like, why don't you just do what I mean? Bioware is pretty much currently doing, which is just, you can romance anybody. Like it's not that hard, especially when your character is a blank slate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that Persona's maybe working on getting better, but uh, we're still not quite there yet. Persona 5 had a lot to impact, unpack, certainly. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. In any case, I like I said, I, I wish they had kept it in. Okay. it is. We are now at Matt 2, er, uh, Nadia 2, and Eric is at 0. It's time for question 7. This Pokemon was the first one ever designed. Which one was it? Right on. Dang, that was fast. I thought you were going to say, this is the first Pokemon, and that is such a troll (laughs) question because it can be Arceus, it can be Rhydon, it could be Bulbasaur. Yeah, I was going to say it's Bulbasaur. I said ever designed. And actually, Victini is 0-0 on the uh, Pokedex. Who, so it's not Arceus. Victini. Victini is in the 90s, right? Oh, right. 
No, no, I'm pretty sure. I, maybe that's the Unova Pokedex. I could be wrong. But, but yeah, Rodon was definitely, I knew he was the first because Rodon's one of my favorites. So that's why I know. <laughs> Woo! Nadia. Jeez. Not Bringing even, you the even Pokemon even heat. I feel like here we go. I feel like that factoid was in some issue of Nintendo Power from years and years ago. I had, and as soon as Nadia said it, I was like, "Fuck, that's right, shit." <laughs> yeah, I had like a vague approximation, like concept art of Pokemon. You can see like the uh, red traveling with Rhydon and stuff like that. Wow, that's right. Rhydon, along with Kalapis and Clefairy, were some of the earliest Pokemon ever developed. Uh, this is why Rhydon sprites are relatively widespread in the original Pokemon. Uh, fun fact, the original 151 were conceived by a team of fewer than 10 people who all voted on their favorites. Uh, Atsuko Nishida did the designs for Pikachu, Bulbasaur, Charmander, Squirtle, and various others. And of course, Ken Sugimori, most famously, uh, finished up a lot of these arts. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I find that really interesting that you would think it would be like Pikachu or or you know Bulbasaur or something. Oh, no, I would right on. Like Pidgey or like Porygon, like something very basic. And you mm-hmm. know, then later after they got really really high, they made Executor. But <laughs> imagine being, <laughs> imagine being on that team, and it's like your ten folks who are tasked with designing the best cute monsters you can think of, and just one person on your team, and it's not you, comes in with Pikachu, Bulbasaur, Squirtle, and you're just like, <laughs> fuck, like. I'm over I'm over here and I made two circles and one's a slightly angrier version of the other circle. <laughs> yeah, I, I made Pidgey and uh Spiro uh Caterpie. <laughs> yeah. I made a bird. I made a, I made a Hawaiian bug. It turns into butterfree. <laughs> I the thing that's weird to me is that Rhydon is such a random Pokemon to be the first one. It's like, all right, we're making a game where you collect monsters. They can be anything you want. It could be like dragons or killer plants. Rhino. I want a Rhino. What about a rhinoceros on its hind legs? That's so cool, though. I love Rhino. That's cool. That's all right. Yeah. Um, my other favorite Rhyd- uh, Rhydon trivia factoid is in the original Pokemon. Uh, Pikachu was able to defeat Rhydon by aiming for the horn, which became a bit of a meme in the Pokemon community back in the day. Oh, okay. Why? It doesn't make any dang sense, but is sure, it, why not? Pikachu is OP. A ground type or rock type, and Pikachu is electric type. I, I don't understand how that works. All right. We're on to the lightning round. Woo. This is where we stand. Eric, you have zero points. <laughs> Look. Look, <laughs> history will vindicate me. <laughs> Nadia, you have three points. Woo. And Matt, you have two points. I'm happy with that. I'm I'm ready to pack it in. <laughs> if there's a if there's a wager money. here, I'm just I'm just coasting. <laughs> All right, the final round. <laughs> Who said it? Kefka or Donald Trump? <laughs> I, 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 I know all of Kefka's lines, so hopefully I get this one. I know all of Donald I hope you get this right, line. too. <laughs> this is an evil, evil thing you have created, but let's go. God. The first one. Read my lips. Mercy is for wimps. Trump. That would be Kefka. Kefka. All right, Matt says Trump. Eric says not. Uh, Eric says 
Kefka? Nadia says Kefka. And the correct answer is... Kefka. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, um... Though it sounds like something that Donald Trump would say, doesn't it? Really, it? I, I was stuck there for a second, because that's a, a, a dialogue I don't know that well. It was too coherent. There was one consistent <laughs> thought across the two sentences, and, and that's what gave it away. That does give you it could, away. You could imagine him doing it in all caps, so on Twitter, right? I could, absolutely. This is going to be one of those things wrong, where yeah. people are going to go back through his old tweets from, like, 2013 and find that he has, in fact, tweeted something Kefka said, but attributed it to himself in, like, Art of the Deal. Because <laughs> <laughs> he never wrote any of the books he, had, he claimed to have written. They're all ghostwritten. So it's going to be just someone slipped in Final Fantasy quotes, and he was like, he yeah, was I said like, Very unfair to me. <laughs> I mean, there was that guy who made the, uh, the fantasy book about the characters making dyes, and he was using a recipe straight from... Uh, oh, right. Breath of the Wild. Wild. And it, it was a serious book. It wasn't like, you know, a joke or... Sorry, it wasn't even fantasy. It was it was a normal book. A normal-ass book about a woman using a Lizalfol as dye. It was uh-huh. so w- weird. Just go out into your backyard and kill a Lizalfos. And Get a highly mushroom, and you're good. Mm-hmm. All right, Nadia stands at four points. Matt is at two, and Eric is at one. Yeah, There's number back. two. Who cares? They're the ones who are stupid enough to get caught by the enemy. That's Kafka. That's Trump. I'm gonna go Kafka on this one. And the correct answer is Kafka. Damn it! Yeah, that's yeah. when he was. Uh, Doma was being poisoned, and uh, they were. One of the soldiers said, but our, our men are still in there. And he said, who cares? They're the ones who got caught. I mean, Trump literally could have said this one. I mean, yeah. seriously. Oh, he's, I mean, was, he's basically said this, right? Yeah, I thought this was his um, anti, anti-soldier anti take that he had. Yeah, like people who don't get caught, I think, is the infamous line. He stood up there and said, ah, look at all these losers. Yeah. I, I like winners. I like, I like people winners. who don't get captured. Right, that's what yeah, it was. Uh, so Matt, you are at three points. Nadia's at five. She's just going to destroy everything. <laughs> what, did, what did I say at the start of this game? Nadia's going to run the, the world board. is healing. Everything is going back into balance. And Eric's at one. Yeah, Matt. Um, Matt. Matt got off to a good start, but Nadia was just like, "No, I'm going to destroy all of you." He asked questions about Rydon. Once Rydon's in the right. picture, I know everything. Number three. You really are a slow one, and always, always, always such a goody two shoes. Oh, that's, that's gotta Trump. be Trump. Yeah. Oh, that's that's Kefka. And the correct answer is Kefka again. God damn no. <laughs> <laughs> is this a, is this is this a mind game where secretly every quote is Kefka? <laughs> right? Oh, the silence is damning. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, that's what you know, Nadia's right. They are referring to General Leo. Sorry, everyone. I just really like following. <laughs> I'm gonna wait for Dottie to answer the next one first. I'm gonna get it wrong, and I'm gonna screw you all over. She's got enough of a lead to do you it. Can't catch up. <laughs> all right, Nadia has to go last on this last one. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <clears throat> I'm not ranting and raving. I love this. I'm having a good time. Matt, uh, it's probably gonna be wrong, but I'm gonna say Trump. Eric. Yeah, I'm going Trump, too, even though, God, I really hope that's Kefka. <laughs> Nadia. That's Trump. And the correct answer is, yes, Donald Trump. He did, in fact, say this. By the way, did you know that there's a 
Twitter feed where they take his quotes and superimpose it onto the Red Skull as super villain text. And it works really well, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after this episode, someone's going to make the bot that just puts images of Kafka with Trump quotes <laughs> and vice versa. I have done that with like we had a conservative politician in Canada who I did that with. And uh, I think I just put her profile over nothing beats the sound of thousands of voices screaming in unison or whatever Kafka said. And finally, we have this little Hamlet has too much boring and not enough burning. Torch everything. That's Kafka. I say Kafka on that one. I'm <laughs> gonna go Kafka. out on a limb. Yeah, I, I thought I would wrap up on an uh, on an obvious one, but yes, uh, but you could kind of imagine Trump saying that, couldn't you? That's that's a that's a thing, isn't it? If he that got the Kafka. word Hamlet out, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> you got a point there. That was Kafka burning Themazda, Themazda, whatever that, that town is called. But he uh, basically killed all the espers and took them for himself. And yeah, that was a that was a turning point in the game. If that was Trump, he'd be like, these largely democratic hamlets. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's depressing. Dang. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, that has been the quiz show of the blood god or trivia of the blood god, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. That was a lot of fun. I had a good time, everybody. So did I. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I didn't lose, so I feel good about that. Well, I That's lost, but I didn't lose quite so badly. Y'all are going to have to do this again so I can return triumphant and vengeful and and reclaim my my seat as the knower of things. See, next time I'm going to make Nadia do uh, the trivia because uh, I want to be able to uh, play this. It might be fun. Yeah, you should. Oh, Nadia, okay. congratulations. You destroyed it. Thank you. That's pretty well, wild. I, I mean, I mean, those, the the JRPG questions, you were just on point. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, uh, especially, I mean, Kefka. I know all his lines. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you enjoy the trivia of the Blood God, uh, dear audience? Quiz show of the Blood God, whatever we want to call it. Do me a favor. Let me know in the comments. I, I'd be curious for your thoughts. Maybe we can do this again sometime. In the meantime, let's continue on to the track of the week. Okay, folks, it's time for the track of the week, the segment in which we listen to a song from an RPG and discuss it because music is so important to the genre that we love. This week is our first repeat. It's from The World Ends With You. Eric picked it because why the heck not? See if you recognize this song. That was the first time that we've actually been able to do it on the soundboard. Uh, so that was kind of fun. Kind of vibing along, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That takes me way back to, uh, of course, when I first bought The World Ends With You, which is where the song is from. Yeah, I'm going to replay that game. That that was the moment where I was like, yeah, I'm replaying this game again. 
That's the music that plays while you're exploring Shibuya. And it's just the perfect music to be able to vibe along to. And it really sets the mood for the entire game, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, if nothing else, out of Neo, we'll enter the music. Even the soundtrack in the trailer already sounds like it slaps. Like, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I put it in the show notes that, like, what this music reminds me of is something that you would hear in a shopping district as you're walking by these, like, really high-end fashion boutiques and yeah, stuff like that. summertime, got, you're on the beach. It's got that kind of vibe to it. It's also kind of dreamy and, and kind of, you know, the the lyrics, the, the calling, I hear you calling, wake up, um, you know, really fit in with the theme of the game. So, yeah, like, that's, it plays constantly throughout the game, but it's one that you just kind of... You know, it, it settles into a groove and gets going and it, it really just syncs up with that game very well. I think this is the first time your first time hearing the song. Am I right? Yes, that would be correct. It was that was good. Yeah, I didn't actually. Uh, I, I Again, like I don't think when when that game was was big on DS that I mean, God, how long ago was that now? Would I have even been able to look up the soundtrack on YouTube or would I've had to just like mm, pirate it? Probably would have been really low res and bad uh bad sound but yes yeah, so, someone would have had some version of it out there so that's one of those games where like i guess it has a really killer soundtrack but it's not one of the things that comes to mind when i think of it as someone who hasn't played it but that track was good yeah well it was composed by as we already discussed takiharu ishimoto who has been with square enix at least since 1999 was the synthesizer programmer on legend of mana worked on front Mission 3, Vagrant Story, all pro wrestling, interestingly, uh, and worked with Final Fantasy X on Final Fantasy X as well. As for composing credits, has worked on everything from Bicor Crisis Final Fantasy VII to Kingdom Hearts 3 and a lot of Dissidia games. Um, also, The World Ends With You, the animation, which is coming out next year. Mm-hmm. That all syncs up pretty well. Like I, I think of those games like Type Zero and and Crisis Core and Before Crisis and all that as like the the side games of Square Enix that have that sort of sound to them and have that sort of style to them. And and yeah, he's got it unlocked. Very specific sound mm-hmm. that you know why Nomura likes it because that is very much his scene, right? Absolutely. It totally is. It it really matches his soul. I don't want to know what Numero's soul is like, but okay. Oh, it's cool. yeah, it's got a lot of zippers on it. It's got her <laughs> pants with a lot of zippers. The long zipper of the soul. Okay, folks, it's time for letter time. It's letter time. It's letter time. Okay, and the first one is from Bishia Ted. Last week, we were talking about Cyberpunk and Yakuza, and this is what Bishia Ted had to say about Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yakuza has definitely captured my attention pretty fully of late. While I appreciate a lot of the attempts to portray a different side of Japan, things like that soap landowner and the enemy types like Hungry Hungry Homeless don't do the <laughs> best job yeah. at oh, keeping the oh. themes respectful. Yeah. Maybe not. Hungry <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. I guess we can only expect mainstream games to take baby steps toward more progressive and inclusive ideas, but it's a shame from the series that has been so unafraid to point out the toxicity in so many traditional manly behaviors Still a fun game, though. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, it does cross a couple of lines that really should have known better. I, I remember talking about this in, in the review and we were talking about it uh, around launch. Like the it 
it really goes for it in some cases. And yeah, I think the soap landowner is the one big place where it stumbles the way they try to frame that guy and, and his motivations and stuff. Whereas I think other characters like the brothel owner that you, uh, you stay at her place for a while. I think she's a better encapsulation of what they're going for. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm still in the place where I'm like, Yakuza's trying to deal with this stuff and trying to do stuff. And it does hit some really high notes in there too um so it's much like persona you know one step forward and a little bit of steps backwards in some other places and we we just got to take the progress where we can and keep pushing for where we want there to be more uh, Stephen finn says it shows how bad game journalism has gotten that sakuna of rice and ruin has gone criminally ignored it's a little gem that deserves more exposure but the nature of the industry means that only the big games get co- clicks get covered shame all i can say Stephen, is don't hate the player hate the game <laughs> Yeah, this is actually something I responded to personally in the actual common thread. Uh, first of all, I understand where you're coming from, but t- talking about uh, of Rice and Ruin specifically, that came out in a time where a lot of people in our in our department have lost their jobs or are losing their jobs. Hello, hello. And the people who remain get our work piled on them of course, they don't get an extra pay, but what it comes down to is, unfortunately, yes, the smaller, more interesting games like Of Rice and Ruin slip through the cracks sometimes. I mean, we'd love to sit there and give plenty of time to these odd little gems that deserve it. But to the game's credit, last I saw, it was already selling something like 500,000 copies. So it's it's doing okay. Uh, so word of mouth is getting around, and that's that's good. Yeah, Um I had spent about like five hours on it between two different games uh, for for coverage. And I think I I came away from it with, I think what a lot of people are coming away from it with is that it's a totally just serviceable Metroidvania with a really, really interesting and intricate rice management game, like rice farming game and all that. And that makes it this really, I, I found that it's a cool thing to dip into and out of, but that doesn't make for a good, like I'm going to play this for 20 hours over the next five days game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that is the eternal problem of any games coverage outlet and any games reviewer is that you have to try and suss out how you would feel about a game if you weren't <laughs> pinging it for coverage. Uh, and, you know, in some games it's easier to do that, like with Yakuza and, and games like Spiritfarer. I played Spiritfarer over the course of three days. I put like 30 hours into it. And I hit walls with that game because of how it was structured. But I was also able to be like, hey, you know, this would not feel that way if I was playing this over a longer stretch of time or if I was just playing it at my own pace. Uh, I think with Sakuna and talking about coverage specifically, it came out at a bad time. Uh, I think Fuser fell in the same hole where it just came out in the middle of all this next gen coverage and it took people a while to catch back up and be like, oh, hey, this cool thing came out while we were all focused on the ps5 and the xbox because that was our jobs but i i i don't know it's i i think there is still stuff to talk about with that game it's just it's not going to get the normal press cycle that most games get it's going to get the one that's like oh hey this game you haven't heard of is actually really neat and i think that is what we're seeing so i think that there is a good thing in being able to cover these smaller games because you are doing a service for listeners our readers by surfacing them and outlets should absolutely do it that said you have to really work hard 
to be able to do it because the reward is typically very low. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact of the matter is the big games are the ones that get clicks and get attention because people care. People want to know about the things that are interesting to them and they naturally gravitate toward stuff that they know. I think that's actually pretty bad because uh, it just creates this recursive loop where it's always the same old stuff because people like comfort. They know what they want, right? Um, but because it's a business and because we are being it, we are judging our worth, I guess, on clicks, people are going to naturally gravitate toward the topics like, I don't know, cyberpunk that is going to get the most attention and that the most clicks, uh, the most likes on uh, Twitter that has the best chance to go viral, whatever. I think that it is easier when you are a subscription service and you can kind of write more whatever you want and you're not as beholden. But even then, you kind of have to have those things that drive subscriptions, right? So the yeah. the, the clear answer is communism. I don't know. Conclusion: <laughs> <laughs> communism. Thank you. I think the other part of this is that it like it's easy to say in hindsight, like, oh man, why didn't these sites cover this game? This game is actually great. But when you're looking at the Steam new releases every day, like you know, I, I know I do. Like every couple of days, I just look at what's coming up and what's newly out and what's popular and trending you're basically just shooting fish in a barrel trying to be like, okay, how much time can I devote to this game to see if it's good? In some cases, like it's a monetary investment or you're, you know, sending an email to a developer being like, can you give me a free copy of your game to see if I might cover it, which I'm just going to say like always feels crappy, especially when you don't end up writing about it. Um, And it's, you know, you're you're basically gambling. You're saying like, hey, you know, maybe this game turns out to be something interesting or you're waiting to hear if other people think that it's interesting. So, I mean, it's, it's easy to call that out in hindsight. And uh, other times it's just, yeah, we, we can't always predict what's going to pop off or what's going to be incredible. There's always the surprise hits of every year. And, uh, you know, we try our best to keep up with it. But like Kat was saying, we know that people are interested in cyberpunk. We know that people are interested in Assassin's Creed. So we're going to devote coverage to that because people have already expressed interest in that. Yeah. The flip side is that YouTubers have and streamers have made lucrative careers out of picking random indies and being able to riff on them and have a good time with them and have at times single-handedly popularized games that nobody was paying attention to. I mean, nobody had even ever heard of Among Us a few months ago. And now it's one of the undeniably biggest games of 2020 just because some streamers got hold of it. And so there is like a a lucrative niche to be able to find. Like there are so many games out there and there's so many deserving ones. And being able to surface those games can be really rewarding. And I think that maybe in chasing after the easy clicks and the easy coverage... Uh, that a lot of publications are maybe missing out on something. I agree. Yeah. I was going to say on the subject of Sakana, I am on Twitter and I'm not, you know, in the circles I'm in, forums I'm on, I'm not as plugged into the the RPG stuff as I'd say the three of you are at least. And I still hear tons of people talking about this. Like, yeah, it might not be getting traditional coverage, but people are playing this game and talking about it. And from a certain perspective, like to your point, Kat, you know, people, uh, streamers, video makers, you know, championing smaller things and them blowing up as a result, like that's it's almost better for some kind of games to get that kind of coverage because if I was just to sit here and say, 
we need to write about Sakuna because it's really good and really successful. And, you know, most of the people then just kind of read the headline or they read it, but they don't really get it. If it's a game that you need to kind of see played for a while in order to let it sink in, like sometimes the coverage Attached is to their favorite personality. Yeah. Sometimes that yeah. kind of coverage that will work for the right game isn't actually something that a site can hit. Like, and that's part of the reaction too. is like, not only is it not something that's big and talked about like a cyberpunk or something, but sometimes, you know, the, the, actual logistics for making coverage that makes sense that fits that game just doesn't seem to be there you're totally right so i mean i guess we have seen kind of the creation of an ecosystem right where the media the games journalists can go out and they can break news and they can do access journalism and they can do lengthy features and they can do things like that that youtubers and you youtubers kind of struggle with because they don't have as many resources or uh, streamers like can't really do. But on the flip side, YouTubers and streamers who are very personality-driven can use their personalities to boost these games that otherwise people would not have cared about and single-handedly popularize them. So it's a circle of life. And with that, that's the end of our episode. Thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, you'd be listening to this on a Monday, so the Thanksgiving holidays are already over. So already this conversation is out of date, but we're all about to go on vacation. That's why we're recording on Wednesday. Y'all, you, do you have interesting Thanksgiving plans? Or You're all staying home, right? I hope you're staying home. Mm-hmm. I'm staying home. Yep. I ain't doing crap. Matt. Oh, yeah, no, I'm staying home. I have, you know, the PS5 here, which arrived a week late. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Best Buy, yeah. for that. Uh I think next on my list, I finished Miles, so I got to try out some PS4 games that are getting upgrades and see how nice they are. Um, and I also have a stack of Blu-rays, including some 4K ones, which is I'll be able to use the the fancy and to some reports loud uh, 4K Blu-ray drive on the PS5 to, to watch some very pretty films. I, for one, welcome our physical media overlords. I will be playing a lot of Yakuza Like a Dragon because I want to get as far as I possibly can in that game before I get sucked into uh, Cyberpunk. But I also have my PS5 just sitting right there. I need to turn it on more and hopefully it won't brick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm a little scared now. I I don't blame you. There's a little bit of uh, return uh, going on amongst the people I know who got a PS5. A little bit more than the usual, like, uh, screwy stuff that happens when new consoles are released. It seems like the PS5 is having a little more trouble than it should. All right. Thanks to everybody for listening. I hope that you had a good holiday and to y'all on the show, have a good holiday. Play a lot of video games. Relax. Chill. You've earned it. It's been good stuff. We will be back next week as always. Same RPG time, same RPG location. You can follow me on social media at the underscore catbot. I stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash catbaileytv. I'm playing Super Robot Wars Z on Mondays with Christina Rose. It's a lot of fun. You should come join me. It's good. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at Simusi. And Matt is at Matthew Olson. That's Matthew with one T. So until then, for Nadia, Eric, Matt, myself, thanks for listening and happy adventuring. <laughs>